You're listening to the Cut the Noise Quick Hits Podcast. So welcome to You Can't Escape the Cloud, or if you remember the uh, the Dell commercial from the late 90s, dude, you're getting the cloud. Uh, I'm Curtis Lindemann. I'm the CIO and CTO of Round Tower. And uh, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves here. Uh, I'm Andrew Cole. I'm Director of Solutions Engineering for Peak 10 BioWest. I'm Earl Gay. I'm the Practice Manager for our Cloud and Mobility Practice at Round Tower Technologies. And I'm Paul Craddock. I'm a Senior Cloud and DevOps Architect at Round Tower. All right. So the session's really teed up for people that maybe haven't gone to the cloud yet. They have some concerns. We we deal with, we, we, we're in front of hundreds of customers a year that have a lot of these questions. We wanted to air these out for you. Um, and uh, you know we, we definitely want to be interactive at the end. So it's going to be interactive amongst the, pan amongst the panelists for the first 45 at the, and the last 15. There'll be a forum for you guys to ask questions. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. Who, who wants to take the first one? Why do you see people going to the cloud? And just to be clear, when we're talking about the cloud, um, a lot of people think, hey, I have VMware in my data center. That's the cloud. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the public cloud. And people can even get worked up about what the cloud means in your own data center. I know Earl has some feelings about this as well. Um, do, you want to do you want to define what you think, what, what you would call the cloud, Earl? Earl doesn't want to define the cloud. That's a bad start, Mr. Panelist. Some people consider, okay, go ahead. Yeah. So um, we talked about cloud, and a lot of folks talk about cloud in general. I think it's your point, Curtis, that a lot of folks think cloud's just someone else's data center. Uh, just taking your workloads, lifting and shifting over to somewhere else, um, whether that's a co-location or that's um, Amazon or that's uh, just another data center, uh, a lot of folks view that as cloud. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, cloud isn't, isn't necessarily a location, it's more, it's more of a model. Um, you hear about cloud native architectures, uh, microservices, all that good stuff. Um, and I think to answer the question in general, um, why people go to cloud is that they want to get out of the business of focusing on things that are contextual to their business, as well as they want to be able to kind of innovate a lot faster. So in my mind, cloud is, it's part of it is having it in another data center, theoretically, um, and part of it is also being able to consume services rapidly uh, within it with, whether that's making it so your database services are out in the cloud and consuming them in a way you're not having to worry about the underlying infrastructure, or if it's making it so your VDI workload is out in the cloud and you're consuming it as desktop as a service, whether that's PaaS, platform as a service, software as a service, infrastructure as a service, really cloud makes up all those things. And cloud native architectures are really things that can consume those types of approaches very well. Um, so the reason I see people move to cloud uh, in general, a lot of customers we work with, is because they're seeing that the demand for innovation in their organization is, is increasing very dramatically. Um, and they need a way to keep up with that demand, that innovation demand. A lot of folks think that when they go to the cloud, it means that um, they're going to be out of jobs and they're going to not have a, not have a role in the organization. Like someone else is taking over those responsibilities, they're taking over the management of the databases, they're making the management of the infrastructure, of EDI, or whatever. Um, I haven't talked to a single customer yet that thinks they have enough smart people. So the smart people in any organization are not going anywhere. There's a talent shortage in this or in, in in our industry. Um, so that, that's not a, really a problem. Really, the benefit is that folks should focus their really smart people, their engineers, their technical talent, their really strong people that are good at solving problems, and they should take those people and focus them on business problems. And by not worrying about the, the core infrastructure or the things that are kind of secondary to the person's business, they're able to really take those really smart people that they have and focus them on business problems. Uh, if you think about email, for example, why Office 365 has been so successful. Um, no one chooses Round Tower or Peak 10 or anyone else based on the fact that uh, we have our own exchange for its own premises server, right? That's not a competitive differentiator for a single person. I'm sure none of you as well. 
So if it goes out to the cloud, it goes to Office 365, it's something less you have to worry about, less you have to focus time on, and you get the same value to your business. That contextual pro uh, problem is solved. It's still mission critical. Email is mission critical to all of your organizations, but it's contextual to your business. We see focus trying to folk people trying to use the cloud more to focus on business solving problems as opposed to contextual stuff to their business. Anybody else want to add something to that? Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in on that because I, I agree. I think we, we as an industry just kind of started to understand what cloud was back, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. And it's changed. The, you know, cloud is, is considered by some to be Dropbox. Um, it's Netflix. It's, it's more of what you can do with services that may or may not reside inside of the four walls of your data center. Um, it's, it's consumption um, of, of compute resources or software um, that your team may or may not be the ones that are managing what I like to say, keep the green lights green. Um, we do see a lot of customers that come to us still wanting to move to the cloud um, because of, of confusion. There's a lot of customers that are, are out on a cloud journey because their C-level person read some magazine on an airplane that talked about, you know, to, to maintain, you're laughing because it's you know, maintaining competitive edge, you, you, you got to be to the cloud, right? The title of our seminar is you can't escape the cloud. And, and, and really what we're finding out is that there's a lot of, you know, to your point, a lot of really smart people out there that are really confused um, about what's the best strategic place to put their company's workloads, which cloud is the right cloud, is there a right cloud, um, so we're starting to see some of the confusion come back into the cloud conversation because it's no longer what it was when Peak 10 BioS first started getting in the cloud. It was infrastructure as a service, right? It was the green lights, the storage, the networking, and the compute offered up as a service. Now there's all kinds of other quote-unquote cloud um, consumable capabilities, processes, services, whatever you want to call it, um, that are out there and it, it's confusing. So when you say I want to take my I want to I want to take my database to the cloud, well that's great. What else comes into play with your database applications? Can those also move to the cloud? So it's really more of that application level conversation we have to have. All right. So we originally invited Microsoft and Amazon to sit in on this panel and as you might imagine, Microsoft and Amazon don't really want to sit next to each other on a panel. So uh, Earl is going to represent Amazon's response to some of these questions. And Paul, mountain man down here, is gonna represent the Microsoft answer to some of these questions. And then we have Andrew from Peak 10, who's gonna represent the Peak 10 answers, right? As far as we know, you don't wanna pick somebody else? No, that's fine, I'll, I'll pick that horse. All right, cool. So people say, all right, I wanna to go, to, to go to the cloud now. How, why, why would I pick Peak 10 or, or Amazon or, or Azure? Why don't you go first, Andrew? Sure. Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest success story that we have are companies, you know, let, let's kind of break them apart. you got your enterprise, right? Your enterprise level companies that have, you know, rooms full of, you know, smart people. Um, they may have the wherewithal to be able to jump to the Amazon or to the Microsoft level of cloud. Well, let's face it, going in, there, there's probably a, a dozen businesses out here represented at Comspark. Um, that are supporting companies moving to the hyperscale cloud because you have to know what you're doing to get in there, right? There are, they are fantastic platforms. It's, it's mind boggling to know what those companies have been able to achieve, but getting there is, is absolutely something that you really need to know. 
sticking your toe in the water um, to a, a hyperscale, what I call a hyperscale cloud provider, is, is easy to do. Um, but it can very much consume you if you're not sure how to navigate it. Companies that we deal with, a lot of the companies that you probably deal with too, um, they need help understanding. They need that consultative approach. Um, they need somebody to sit down and say, yeah, I understand you're being pushed to go to the cloud. Let's talk about the applications. Let's see if it makes sense to put it into a Peak 10 cloud. Peak 10's cloud is, is a VMware-based cloud, right? It's, it's virtualized infrastructure. So it's, it's, it's not like we've reinvented the wheel. Um, it is a, a cloud environment that is built for high uptime, what we call production workloads. So if companies want a 5.9, they want to be up 100% of the time, and they, they tell me they're going to go to, no disrespect to my, my partners up here, but they want to go to an Amazon or to an Azure cloud. I'm like, okay, but I thought you told me that you can't be down, and you're moving to a 99.9% .9 guaranteed environment. So let's have a conversation about what applications can you, you know, can you comfortably put into a 3.9 SLA environment versus where you might be better off into a 5.9 SLA environment, right? It's more controlled. So it's really that conversation of let's understand what we're doing and let's all kind of agree on how we're going to get there and we're going to break apart which, which applications make sense for my cloud, which applications may make sense for an Amazon cloud. And quite honestly, they may all make sense for an Amazon or for an Azure cloud. I'm not here to say that, that they wouldn't. But customers don't know, and that's that's kind of where we come in. We kind of layer that security approach. It's the consulting approach. It's all in one. We're gonna we're gonna help you there, as opposed to having to have a consultant come out and and get you um, past the front gate of Amazon or Azure. Um, so the great the great thing about Amazon is that if you need the answers to the qu those questions, there's an entire bookstore devoted to it, so you can just go buy a book for it. Um. <laughs> so you just told the friendly audience RTFM. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you got to buy another book. Right. See, it's already starting to be more expensive. So, uh, in, in all seriousness, I think there, there's a reason Amazon's the market leader from a cloud perspective. Um, they've really been trailblazing the, the path for, for cloud providers in general, setting the standards that everyone should meet. Um, not all clouds are created equal. Um, a lot of folks assume that all clouds are created equal um, in, in that regards. Even some of the folks at uh, Athos are the cloud providers. Um, I, was on, I was reading Twitter uh, yesterday. Um, and one of the head people at Google Cloud was like, what do you mean Microsoft didn't have availability zones until just now? Um, so to break that down a little bit, the way Amazon kind of breaks out their data centers and their regions is they have different data centers per region, and they call those availability zones. So you get a level of redundancy. People kind of assume that all cloud providers did it that way. Azure didn't do it that way. Their regions, they're not guaranteed to have availability zones. It's just now a preview. But everyone kind of assumes that Amazon, Azure, Google, all the major cloud providers are exactly the same. That's not the case. Um, Amazon's done a really great job of making sure that they're investing in the best solutions. Their breadth of portfolio is extremely strong. If you look at the number of services they offer, uh, it's extremely strong. And they're very good at keeping those up and integrating those across their portfolio. Um, and if you look a little bit past cloud or kind of the next big thing from cloud, it's kind of a, the serverless technology where you're no longer developing code to run necessarily on virtual machines, but you're integrating all these different services that these cloud providers can uh, provide. Think things like DynamoDB for your database services, or uh, using S3 to host your data pages with Lambda backing it from a serverless uh, technology perspective. That's kind of where the industry is going. Kind of, We're not quite there yet. Those serverless technologies are where we're going. And if you don't have a breadth of services in your cloud portfolio, that's a big deal. 
and Amazon has really led the charge there. Things like Google, they don't have as many services. Even even Azure is, has a hard time keeping up with Amazon. And the great thing about Amazon is they're incredibly customer focused, and that that the, everything they do is around the customer centric customer centricity, and it, it shows in their products and how they go about it and everything they offer. So, so Paul, how does micro, Microsoft feel about that? Well, uh, I I think uh, to back up just a hair and set the stage. I, I think we as as people are good at knowing maybe what we want, um, but I don't know if we're very good at knowing what we need. Um, and and I think that sets the stage for cloud because um, I think we see a lot of customers go in and say yes. Uh, instant scale, global availability, all that, um, and that and that fits for some places. We all, all, all of us as engineers would say, oh, that like that's cool. We like we like cool technology, uh, but do we need it? Do we need it for every application? Probably not. So I think that sets the stage for cloud and, and backing up just a hair, a hair before you lift and shift everything. Um, from a Microsoft perspective, um, I think one of the powers of of Microsoft is is that. Like it or not, you know, wherever you stand on Microsoft, whether you love them or, or you're, you're a Linux guy and you don't like them at all, um, they're, they're in everywhere, right? So they're, they're, all of our business is probably to some degree, you know, nearing 100% or, or less if you're more of a Linux shop, have some Microsoft uh, pieces already there, right? Um, and so there's some familiarity in that platform um, that you, you know some of the interfaces. Um, a lot of us probably run Active Directory. Some of those are, you know, Active Directory, built by Microsoft and, and natively. Now, there's some, some caveats to this, right? But there's different um, offerings around AD and, and hooking those things in that are, that are just kind of built in native integrations. So uh, I think that's some of the strength. To, to Earl's point, um, I don't know that they, that, you know, every, every cloud is focusing, I feel like, on different things. Um, and so to really, um, to really decide which cloud, and may, maybe I'll take uh, Google on as a since they're not represented as well, Azure and Google. Um, I think they're. I think they've all gone after different pieces because just to say, hey, um, you know, I make a red car too is not a good idea if you're trying to take red car business from someone, right? You're trying to differentiate yourself. Yeah, and I'll just round it out to say some of that noise that we that you were referring to, you know, when the availability zones kind of reminded me of that. It, you know, one of the questions that we always ask is. Well, how many geodiverse data centers do, does your application span today? And the customer's like, well, none. They're in my closet. And I'm like, okay, so, so that is now a business requirement that you have to be in multiple availability zones. Can your application do that? Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, kind of the deer in the headlights. So it's it's a great feature, but it's really for those those companies that understand what that means and what it's going to take. Um, and then then you start to talk about the price. So. I, I loved your point about you know some of the hype that we hear is not necessarily relevant for a lot of the business conversations that we have on that journey. I think eventually, I think you're right. I think the serverless technologies are, will eventually be main main stage, but we're a ways from there. And so why we have this conversation now is to help people understand to go from zero to 100 miles an hour kind of hurts, right? So. Yeah. I think I think to your point. I mean, most organizations aren't going to be able to take everything and just go to. Azure or uh, AWS or Google or any of these public cloud providers that do require a bit of just re-architecture. Um, there are some things that are going to make that a little bit easier, like VMware, VMware Cloud on AWS, we're taking the vSphere workloads, the software-defined data center, and moving that into AWS. That's going to help there. But I think uh, I think a world where you have uh, you have a Peak 10 or or a similar provider 
and, and combine that with an Azure AWS. That's kind of the future I think a lot of organizations are going to go because it provides the benefits you're talking about, but it also provides the cloud scale and the services to kind of combine, combine with that. I think that's, most folks are kind of heading that route in my opinion. All right, and that's a good lead into, so I've determined, hey, I want to go to the cloud. How do I determine which of my applications are a suitable fit for your cloud or the cloud in general? And then once I've determined they're a suitable fit, how do I get them there? Uh, so you have to start with a cloud readiness assessment. I mean, you, you, you have to know how to, or you have to know someone who knows how to go in and help you make decisions on which applications. It's not just the application itself. It's, it's what other applications interface or interact with the other application. So, so just to interrupt, I can't just assume just because I'm using VMware in my data center that I can automatically move a workload to the cloud. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, we actually, <laughs> we have a, a customer who did that. Um, they were using VMware and they thought it would be really cool to move their virtual desktop infrastructure that was a VMware-based infrastructure, move it out to a data center. And guess what they left back in their office? They left all of their other applications. So now you've got a, a, a data center here that's trying to pull SQL database queries across the wide area network, right? So little, I mean, that's, a, that's an extreme example, but no, you have to understand where are my users? Am I moving data closer to my users or am I taking data further away from my users? Um, and you know, companies typically today have, a, have users all over, but you've got 400 people at your corporate office here in Cincinnati and you've got 25 people out in the field. You move that out, you affect 400, and you, you affect 400 people more than you do 25 because they're used to that remote connectivity. So understanding the actual um, ins and outs of, of the applications and their interdependencies is absolutely step one. Yeah, I, I think uh, along with that, it's understanding uh, RTOs, RPOs, right? What are what are what are our recovery times? What are our uptimes? What are our SLAs? Um, and, and being able to map those, you know. Um, and, and, and there's not necessarily one path into cloud. You know, for, for some, maybe it's take your hardest problem and solve that with cloud. That might work for some businesses. For some, it's take your low-hanging fruit and see if, see if that fits. Um, so you know, understanding some of the actual business value, and I think that's a challenge for, for a lot of uh, IT folks I know uh, that I've struggled with that in the past, is, is translating what I know in IT to, to a business problem. Solve a business problem, become useful to the business. Don't be a... Don't be a you know, a problem anymore. Start solving things that are other pain points. So there's some of that. As far as migrating, um, from an Azure perspective, there's there's Azure Site Recovery Manager. You know, you can synchronize your workloads into cloud and cut over, and that's all great. Um, but there are a ton of other third-party options that I think are really exciting. Um, Zerto, Cloud Endure, some things that allow you a lot of flexibility. So it doesn't matter which provider you pick. Um, you've got some agnostic, you know, uh, some ability to go, go in and and back. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think you guys kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there. I mean, from an application dependency mapping perspective, understanding all the interdependencies is critical. Understanding the requirements of the application is critical. Um, I think in, in general, you just have to do a, an entire application rationalization as you make the application move up there. And the application rationalization process isn't necessarily just how do I get it to AWS. Maybe AWS or even or Azure or Big Ten or, or any of those things. IaaS may not make sense for the application. You don't, taking the infrastructure and taking those servers and just moving them over here, maybe that's not the best solution for that for the application. Maybe the best solution, like for Exchange, is to go into Office 365, or maybe the best solution for uh, your your ERP application isn't to just take the workload you have here and you put it on IaaS over here, but to go to that your provider and figure out, do you have a SaaS offering that I can leverage? Maybe that makes more sense for your business, for your requirements. Um, 
And I think a lot of folks look at cloud as uh, kind of being there for development teams, and they're seeing, well, we don't have a development teams, but you can do you can do cloud with commercial off-the-shelf applications and make them a lot more efficient. Um, and it doesn't require a whole, like we always talk about refactoring and rebuilding these applications. That's not necessarily completely needed. You can do some pretty big things and some pretty beneficial things with just slight tweaks to applications. Let's say you have your application stores a lot of data out there. It does it in flat files. Maybe taking advantage of S3 from an Amazon perspective for an object store. Maybe that provides a lot more benefits than just tossing it out there on, on, on disks. Um, slight tweaks, config tweaks to leverage managed services, those can have a big impact too to, to your benefits. So whole application rationalization, understanding your dependencies, your requirements, all that good stuff, and figure out where the application should go and how it should be. So it's, it's like when we migrated to VMware, you know, seven, eight years ago, or, or even sooner for some, some of them you can just do the equivalent of a P2V and some you might have to re-platform entirely. It may make more sense for that, right? Uh, cautiously, sure. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, it's like recovery cloud or disaster recovery. You got you got to be able to figure out how to go back if something doesn't work. Um, it's always the lowest common denominator. And That's a great lead into the next question. Yes, I know. It's always the lowest. I read the script. Yeah. It's always the lowest common denominator that that trips you up, right? So, great. We we've identified which workloads are going to remain physical, and we're gonna we've got a company coming in. They're going to forklift the physical assets. They're going to move them over to a data center. We've identified the virtual workloads, and we've got uh, a Zerto-based virtual replication to you know pick your your Peak Ten, you know Zerto-based partner. We we've got all that covered. What about IP addresses? What about all of your four hundred and fifty thousand devices out there that have a VPN connection back to them? I mean, it's all of those other components that go into it. You know, moving data these days is so much simpler than it used to be. Um, what's the tolerance for downtime? Zero. Okay, great. Okay, now let's get serious for a minute, yeah. right? What's your tolerance if downtime occurs? Okay, maybe a day. So it's it's one of those things where you just kind of have to go back and forth. And, and that's a great point. It's more than just picking it up within your data center. It's it's like a lift and shift to a new data center. It's a data center migration where you're re-IPing everything in a lot of cases, right? Uh, so so let's say that we've migrated to one of these cloud platforms and it's not working out for us. And we've seen this happen before. Like, hey, we thought this was going to be, uh, you know, easy. Uh, it looked really great in the white papers. And and we've all heard the, you know, we've seen the magazine articles. We've been to conferences where we hear, hey, it's like going into the Hotel California. You can get into Amazon, but you can't get out, right? Now, that's not necessarily true, is it, guys? Like, how do I get out once I'm in there? Or what are some of the caveats around getting out once I'm in there? Yeah, I think I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about picking maybe some some third parties and doing some research and seeing who they integrate with, um, versus maybe just going straight with what the platform you've chosen will give you. Um, but I already mentioned you know already mentioned that there's also um, us as IT people uh, read a lot and trust nothing, right? So test it, test it. Um, maybe don't just slap your entire production workload up into a cloud and shut it down on prem, you know, in one cutover, right? Uh, no, I know. Um, may, maybe try build. There, there are really good tools out there for building those things and at click of buttons, and then running some load testing and actually, you know, trying it out, kicking the tires. Do do your due diligence and do some do some research, right? Uh, so versus just that's ah, up there now. Let's let's hope that works. Um, but if if you've done all that and it still isn't isn't quite scaling right, I think I think that's where again back to that. Picking a third party or not having it decommissioned on-prem uh, is is key. So, uh, so you can turn it back on. Um, you can you can fail it back out if you're using some sort of third-party platform for, for that kind of thing. Um, 
there, there are egress costs, so there's some, there's some data, you know, that if you if you write a terabyte into into Azure and you want it back out, you're going to pay for that. Um, there are there are there are some ways around moving data around that you know that, that can be had, but um, but that might not be the first test you want to run. Is you know is that so? Yeah, I think the other aspect to, to keep in mind is um, to your point about kind of sticking your toe in the water. You know, VMware based, Amazon non VMware based, and I know they're coming out with that VMware capability, but if you're going to have to rewrite an application to, to run on a specific platform or, or, or another one, uh, you're going to invest time and effort and money into writing that. So start small, uh, because if it doesn't, I, you know, I don't know that scale, I mean, we have, some of our best customers are ex-Amazon customers. Um, for, and it's very seldom because they couldn't scale enough. Let's just face it. I mean, if Amazon can't scale to keep up with you, then you've got bigger issues. Um, it's it's usually around um, not really knowing what they were getting into and the cost of it. Um, the cost got out of control. Um, and so it's it's so much more about, how, okay, how do we get out? And, and, and there's probably been a half a dozen cases where they just ended up rewriting the application again because the cost to, to, to egress out to redo it all was was insurmountable and so they, they kind of took their lashes if you will um, but we've had some really good success stories as well where you know migrating out wasn't that big of a deal it was a, it was an object-based storage um, so they were able to pull that out yes they had to pay egress tax which you know that's pretty common um, but they kind of knew that going into it so I, that's really the moral of the story is know going into it what you're going to expect and, and kind of what your test what your test criteria is, and do it for several months. Don't just say, oh, "Hey, it works, awesome, let's move." You know, let that run for three to six months. So build that into your plan. I think the, uh, I think the uh, the the idea of lock-in is is more of a, more of a fear than a reality. Um, did we did, were we concerned as much about the lock-in when we moved into VMware? Do we feel locked into VMware right now? Do we feel locked into virtualization right now? Um, it's it sounds scarier than it is. I mean, most organizations that make the move to, to the cloud, they can get back if they need to. There's, there's no giant uh, lock-in that's going to keep you out from getting it out, your data out of there if you need to. Um, as Paul mentioned, if you need to pu pull it back, you can pull it back. There's, uh, there's some ways to do it. Use things like Cloud Endure that have the ability to replicate there, have the ability to replicate back. Uh, same for your data. Um, you, can, you can pull your data in and out. Um, but if you take it kind of the next level, um, if you start looking at things like multi-cloud, which I think is probably a bigger thing that you should be considering necessarily than all the lock-in of the scary cloud, what if I need to get out? Or what if, what if I want to use multi-cloud solutions? If I want to go down to, I want to use some, some AWS, I want to use some Azure, I want to use some Google, I want to use some Peak 10, I want to use whatever. Uh, really looking at multi-cloud solutions, you can use things like, like containers. I'm not sure many folks have looked at the container technologies, but having containers, having that level of abstraction that lets you take your workload and move it regardless of the cloud, using uh, uh, container orchestration tools at a level above just pure virtual machines provides a lot of flexibility there. Um, it kind of depends on how your, your application is written in that regard, whether it can take advantage of those things. Um, but I think, uh, I think you do have to worry about from a multi-cloud multi perspective, um, am I going to go down to the lowest common denominator if I'm going to try to leverage all these different things and, and things like that? Um, but I don't think lock-in is quite as big of a deal as it is more of a scary boogeyman to keep you away from cloud. You can get your data out. It's not that big of a deal. People have done it. We've seen people do it. It's, uh, it just sounds scarier when you're like, oh, I, don't, I can't physically see my machine anymore. But just like with virtualization, we, we moved on. So you're saying that 
DH as a ser or DHN as a service isn't a real thing. Data data hostage negotiation. I thought that was something new Amazon was coming out with. They're not having hostage negotiation as a service. All right. Uh, so we're keeping it light. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. So we figured out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we figured out how to pull our data out. Um, so what? Uh, so, so now it's there, and um, I've been told, and a lot of CIOs are, are are coming back from conferences and saying, the cloud's cheaper than running in your data center. Is that true? And I want I'm, I'm asking. I want I want Paul to answer first because he's the most hands-on engineer, and I want a yes or no answer, Paul. I want to see his head explode. Hmm, a yes or no answer. No, no, no. Uh, give, give your answer. Uh, Go ahead. No, so the obvious answer is it depends, Uh huh. right? There's the, yeah. there's the architect yeah. answer, right? Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm done with this recording, right? No. Um, yeah. In some cases, yes. In some cases, it can be cheaper. But I think that goes, uh, and in some cases, it's, it's way more expensive. It goes back to knowing what you need and not what you want. If, 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 I'm a, if I'm a Cincinnati based widget manufacturer and I took my on-prem machining application and I moved it to a globally scalable, uh, you know, globally available solution, um, and I'm going to pay for that and I needed it to run a shop that's here in Cincinnati, right? Uh, because it's really cool. It's never down. Look, it's running in Tokyo now. That's amazing. And that's awesome. That is really cool. You're going to pay for that. Um, you didn't need it to do that. So some of it is, is again, knowing what you need and not what you want. Um, and there are some really interesting case studies of people that, uh, that have, have built cloud-native applications that use, um, that use cloud-native services, right? Uh, your, your native PaaS services that scale up and down with load, um, who've, who've, um, who've done it for you know, extremely cheaper than someone that rebuilt an application on an infrastructure as a service and had to shut it down. Um, look up Pokemon Go. There's a great case study for that. Um, I don't have time to get into it right now, but uh, but it's a really good side by side. Uh, Andrew's never played Pokemon Go. He has no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm catching one right it's now, actually, yeah. as, I'm, as I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, so so there's some really good ways to do it well, and there's some ways that that it doesn't work out so well. Um, a lot of the horror stories you hear from cloud are people that just turned it all on in the cloud, um, and it, it didn't go so well. Um, but some of that also comes back comes down to if you're if your people in process, um, if you're struggling with VM sprawl on-prem, guess what's gonna happen in your cloud? You're gonna spin up a lot more, a lot faster, and get a bigger bill. Um, so what sort of needs to happen is, in some of that migration, you need to figure out how you work and what the best way to work is. And still, and I think to Earl's earlier point, are jobs going away because of this? No, you still need smart people to figure this stuff out and to watch it. Because if, if you instantly scale to 100 nodes, but no one no one thought to turn that back off, that's going to be expensive. But if you set it up correctly so it shrinks back down or so you're watching it, now it's a lot cheaper. So I think a lot of process has to come around it. Um, a lot of power. I'm not going to quote Uncle Ben there. I almost did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, great responsibility. Um, I wouldn't say it's, more, it's cheaper to go to the cloud, but I think it's more expensive to stay on premises. And I'll say that because if your organization isn't looking at some way to leverage cloud and to change the way they look at IT to be more innovative and not just focus purely on cost and your competition is, then your company is probably going to be in a lot of trouble. Because the fact of the matter is IT is changing. We can't just be into the model of we're just going to try to get the cost down, we're trying to get the status quo, we're trying to hit, hit some check boxes, we're coming in at nine, leaving at five, doing the minimal, minimal effort we can do from an IT perspective. 
that's not going to be okay anymore going forward. Everyone's getting a lot more competitive. Everyone's talking about, we talked in the, in the, the C-suite discussion, digital transformation is a big deal. How you can change and, and people are getting more, from an organizational perspective, more organizations have IT as a strategic part of their business going forward than ever before. And with that being the case, if, if, you're, if your whole model is, well, I just got to figure out what's the absolute cheapest, um, and you're not focused on how you can transform your business to be more innovative and have all these services available to you and have all this innovation available to you, uh, things that you would, you're probably never going to be able to accomplish on-premises. Are you going to build your own giant uh, data lake on-premises? Are you going to build all these machine learning capabilities, all this AI capabilities? You're probably not. And if you did, you're probably not going to do a great job. So figuring out a way to take advantage of cloud, I think is incredibly important. And if you don't, it's going to cost your business a lot in the long run. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think that there's some aspects of that that's absolutely spot on. But let's face it, probably the organizations that are in this room are never going to need that to be competitive. I mean, you mentioned the widget company here in Cincinnati. I mean, who are they competing against? And, and how does automation help them? How does technology, how does cloud help them become more strategic? I mean, those are all the conversations we have to have. Maybe it does. I'm not suggesting it doesn't. Uh, I'm a big analogy guy, so to the question of is it cheaper, I mean, how many of you drove here yourself, and how many of you have your own personal car service that takes you everywhere? You have your own personal car service? Okay. <laughs> I didn't expect there to be one, but that would be awesome. I mean, so, you know, if, if you think about it, <laughs> If you think about it from, from the, the aspect of just a simple analogy is, you know, you have your own car, you, it gets you from point A to point B. You're the one responsible for the maintenance, the, the, the gas, the insurance, the payment. You're responsible for all of those aspects. Having a car service may look like it's more expensive on a monthly basis, but once you factor everything into it, you get from point A to point B, and the value is maybe that your time driving from point A to point B can be used for other things. That's the value statement of, of where cloud becomes more valuable, maybe not necessarily monetarily less expensive. Um, what does it enable you to do that you can't do today because of, of what you're having to do? And if you can truly look at everything on a spreadsheet and you can subtract and add and minus and move things around where they need to be, the TCOs that I've done in the past, I can get pretty doggone close if you trade one for the other. You can't go all cloud and keep your own data centers running with all of the people there that are, that are managing the data centers. I mean, because you've still got that sunk cost. So if you have plans for those people to do other things, fantastic. Now you've got, a, you don't have to go out and hire somebody else to go out and do something new. You can leverage that. Or, so you guys get the analogy, but the analogy is that's what cloud is. It's, it's other people other companies that are managing components of what you're trying to do to get you from point A to point B. There was a there was a, a nice widget company that went out of business recently called Blockbuster that uh, they just they didn't need to innovate because they just they slung tapes right. Organizations change. How many people here use Uber or Lyft? You probably all have used it in some capacity, right? So maybe you don't need that. That's not your entire mode of transportation, but you're probably going to use it every once in a while. You probably don't have your own private jets either. So there's probably a reason for things that outside of what you just own. Well, you might have a private check. But I mean, the fact, the fact of the matter is, every single one of the organizations in this room is going to have to change from a technology perspective. When I pick a bank, the mobile app matters to me. Yeah, they're a financial services company. Yes, they're, they're, they're giving me the best interest rates. But if they don't have a great, way, great mobile application experience for me, that's a big deal. 
And the IT organization as a whole has to be able to be able to meet things like that. And maybe it's not dramatic changes, but but think of the analytics perspective. All the information your organizations probably have from an analytics perspective. Are you taking advantage of that? If you're not, I bet the other widget company is. And then if, they, if they're taking advantage of it and they're getting better better costs, better better outcomes, better market focus, that's going to be a big deal. So I think every organization has some way to take advantage of all these new technologies. All right. So now now um, let's understand. I think the next the next two questions are going to are are. One's tell us a war story. Tell us where somebody went down the cloud path that it didn't work out. And then the follow-on is going to be, tell me a success story. So let's let's start with the, give me an example of a time somebody went down the cloud path and it just didn't work out. It went south on them. Who wants to go first? So, I mean, I don't think that's ever happened, so. Um. All right, you're off the panel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think it, this thought ties in very much to the question of how you get your data there. We talked about application dependency mappings. We talked about application rationalization and requirements. Organizations don't do that. Guess what happens? They fail. And we've seen organizations, we go in and help organizations where they didn't do that. They just tried to take it and jam it over there. And guess what happened? They failed. They had giant charges. They were way, they had humongous sprawl. Um, and some of the worst things are the people that, that have no idea how to operationally manage these platforms. You took your stuff and you changed all your tooling to over here and you didn't teach your team how to manage it, well, they're going to have a bad time too. So um, it wasn't necessarily the cloud failing, but if you don't do things the right way, you don't understand your requirements, your constraints, your risks, and you don't invest in your people from an operational perspective to get them where they can consume it, um, those are the people we see failing all the time. And those are the people that end up going back or going somewhere else because they're like, oh, it was too hard. It wasn't too hard. You just didn't do it right. And if you don't do it right, you're going to be you're going to fail. We have a. Uh, um, I'll keep the company anonymous. We have a, a local company, uh, pretty large company, um, that came to us. Um, they were a co-location customer, um, and they were on the cloud bandwagon. Cl cl cloud, not clown. Let's edit that. Cloud bandwagon. <laughs> uh, I'm from Indiana, so you know I speak American, not English. Um, We'll talk about the clown bandwagon later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Amazon as a service. The um, so they 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 wanted to move to the cloud. So we sat down with them and talked to them and said, okay, you know, all we were at the time was a co-location, space power connectivity, right? We didn't do any managed services for them, but they were going to go all in cloud. And so we put all of the, the resources together, uh, gave them a quote. It was a little bit more expensive than what they were paying, but they were cool because they were getting all. They didn't have to buy hardware anymore, which. I don't know how many times I st customers start that conversation. I don't ever want to buy a piece of hardware again. Okay. Um, so put it all together, gave them all the quotes. It looked great. They came back and said, this is awesome. We love it. We want to add this, and we want to add this, and we want to add this. And all of a sudden, their bill went from around seven grand a month to around 47 grand a month. And sat down with the conversation with the, the CFO. He's like, what the heck's going on? And we were like, well, you, you you wanted the services, right? So the infrastructure as a service is cloud. That's that's a sunk cost. You know what that cost is. When you consume more, you're going to pay more. But you're only going to pay as you consume. But you wanted database management. You wanted um, full HIPAA, PCI audited network security. You wanted file and tech. You wanted all of these additional services. And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We already do that today in-house. So why is this more expensive? And I'm like, well, if you go back to our conversations, you don't do this today in-house. You have someone who is supposed to be doing this in-house. So it's kind of a, a misunderstanding of, okay, I'm going to take A and put it to B, and it's going to be around the same amount of money. And really what was happening is 
some of the components back up, right? Who's your backup guy? Well, this guy. Well, that guy's your security guy. Well, who's your security guy? Well, this guy. Well, no, that guy's your... So they have too many people trying to do too many things, and so they think that they can outsource that to another to a cloud provider that can do it for them, and then when they start to see the cost go up, it just the cost was astronomical to them. So we worked with them, they came back, and they are now a very, very happy co-location customer again. Um, they are leveraging virtualization within their infrastructure as opposed to the old model where there's one server, one app. Um, so they're, they're very happy. But for them, it was really not understanding what they had, nor would they take the time to go through it to really understand what they were asking for. So we see a lot of that where companies are like, I just got to go to the cloud, you know, damn the cost, it's going to be cheaper in the long run, and, and, and it's not necessarily. Yep. Yeah. So remember back when I said uh, trust nothing and test everything? So there was someone that did that. Uh, they were, um, I might, I'll blank the name out, but they're, they're testing Microsoft. So had an engineer decide at four, you know, at one o'clock on a Friday, could I really spin up 2,000 VMs in a few hours, right? Can I do that? Um, they did that. It works. They scaled really well. And then he went home on Friday night and thought that was a really good test. And then got home, got back on Monday and forgot they ever ran the test. Ran several thousand VMs at, you know, high scale for the entire month. Uh, forgot completely that he was doing it. And I it got was Paul. Him. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't work here. Uh, no. um, and, and then got the bill for that. Now, um, so that that's that's a problem. Again, back to my, you got to kind of monitor, you know, a little bit. So there's a lot of power there. Um, it can it can do it, and and so those are some of the war stories. But you know, and and I've I've actually heard this story. And when when the customer went to talk to uh, to the provider about, hey, we sorry, we didn't mean it. The provider said that that's not how this works. Right. Yeah. 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 You still got to pay us. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure that there was some. I'm sure there's some bargaining going on here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have one of those. We didn't mean it clauses. You know, let's sit down and have a conversation. Okay, <laughs> we, we know you didn't mean this. Let's see what we can do. All right. Yeah. So, give us a success story. Okay. So, um, my success story, I think, uh, is a little bit of a hybrid story. We were working with a customer who was, uh, who was a legacy. It was, it was a, it's a, it's a university, right? So, um, a lot of students, very, very tiny IT staff, like two guys that that manage the entire staff. You've got thousands of students they've got to deal with. So uh, we did some work with them. There were there was need for an on-prem solution for various reasons. So we helped them provide that. But back to you know Azure and cloud integrating into a lot of things. A, a lot of their tool sets they were using already uh, leveraged cloud. So Veeam for backup, they were able to connect right into Azure and and push those backups. Um, they were using Zerto already, so connect right into Azure for DR. Right. So as we built out and, and focused on this on-prem solution that they needed for, for various different reasons, um, they they kind of not want to say instantly, but they almost they tacked on a DR service extremely quickly and extremely easily and offsite backup and you know and, and everything and were able to quickly you know extend the network and um, and quickly do failover and have those pieces that were just not there before um, on some of the legacy infrastructure. Yeah. So. Um I'll kind of tell you a, a public story so, that, so I can actually reference the customer name. Uh, so Scripps Networks Interactive, they're responsible for like Food Network, all those different television, chan uh, television channels. Um, they actually did a session at VMworld that you can watch publicly. Publicly listed were in Round Tower as part of that, uh, was part of that, that session. Um, so basically, since they have all these different channels, like Food Network, Network, for example, their traffic spikes around holiday seasons because everyone's looking for recipes and all that good stuff like that. 
um, they're able to leverage Amazon to be able to take advantage of that and burst there when they need to. They're not totally in Amazon. They have a very, very, very significant amount of workloads in Amazon, but they also have a really strong on-premises environment. And that's what we're seeing a lot of folks do, and they're able to leverage kind of a bit of both. So they're able to handle that, that bursting capability, but they're also able to really help their developers kind of ship code a lot faster, give them a lot more control, give them a lot more uh, real-world um, test environments, integrate CI, CD tools all the way throughout the pipeline. Um, as well as they have data centers all across the world and getting out of some of those makes sense for them. To be able to leverage the regional cloud providers in those areas has worked out very well for them. It's been a journey. We've helped them around people and process and all that good stuff. Um, and they've had to change some of their toolings. They had to morph. They've had to evolve. Everyone's going to have to evolve. It's a journey. It's not a, it's not a light switch. Um, but they've made that journey and they've got a lot of really great benefits out of it. Um, and they still have a great on-premises environment as well and really take advantage of things like that, but it's been an incredibly boost to them as a uh, enabler of technology to their business to solve actual business problems. My success story is kind of going back and forth between a couple of them, um, but the, the, the one that I chose, you guys are all familiar with, PGA of America, right, if you, look, if you play golf. Um, they, uh, they rolled out an application several years ago um, that was live feed updates of scores um, for one of their major tournaments. And uh, it was in Louisville. They had a, a major outage. Um, they, they couldn't, they didn't anticipate the growth or the scale of what they would need. So, you know, us being that, you know, local friendly neighborhood data center, you know, that's kind of the, the peak 10 brand, especially in this area. Uh, they came to us and, you know, as you can imagine, they were in a, in a, in a hurry. So uh, we actually had a, a mobile trailer unit that pulled up outside of our data center in Louisville where one of our cloud infrastructure nodes sits. Um, and we allowed them to basically to scale into our cloud um, with, with their own infrastructure. Um, the application itself scaled into our cloud. Um, that was, for, for them, was one of them that saved their, their application launch. Uh, and they are still a customer today. So, you know, that kind of, of being able to, you know, not that we want everybody to roll a, a mobile trailer unit into our parking lot, but, you know, it's PGA of America, so what are you going to do, right? You're going to say no? Um, so that, that kind of a collaboration is really where, where we've kind of gotten our name from. Uh, we have another little a, a local company here that's a, a manufacturing company. It was all about they were scaling, right? They were growing. They were in acquisition, heavy acquisition mode. They couldn't anticipate what their their infrastructure requirements were, but they knew they couldn't keep up with it. So working with us for some co-location for some of their physical assets that couldn't be virtualized, um, as well as their their both production and disaster recovery um, compute nodes, and, and we allowed them to scale as they came into these acquisitions. We built them an, an, an ingress environment where they would begin the migration of taking whatever their systems were and kind of combining them into what their new systems and then in ingesting it into their production. So again, a great customer, still a customer today, and they're actually looking at moving DR now that we've acquired Via West uh, across the, the Mississippi. So. so we have a few minutes for questions from the audience. If anybody has any questions, we got a microphone. Right, go ahead. Yeah, so this one's more for the public cloud vendors that are represented up here. Uh, you know, pu learning public cloud is difficult for almost every organization. Can you talk specifically about how you would recommend for a new customer to gain proficiency in your platform? Sure, so um, what we do a lot with a lot of our customers, and Amazon in general does, is they'll do the uh, kind of kickstart and immersion days. So going into the customer, helping them understand um, how to set up their account, how to get going, how to get implemented into the into and into Amazon, 
giving them three to four weeks to play around with the environment, look around, test, and then we'll come back and do a full day of just immer immersion all through all the, all the technologies. Uh, RDS, S3, Lambda, and really diving deep with uh, actual real-world use cases and things like that um, to help them get kind of launched into the, launch into the platform. Um, then we, we work a lot. And a lot of values of, of, of consulting partners uh, like ours is that we can provide a lot of skills that organizations are trying to get to. So we do a lot of classrooms, hands-on things. We build, we, build, um, we build interactive workshops where the, the students will have, uh, have terminals and we'll, we'll go through the, the consoles, all these things like that, and we'll get some hands-on. There's no, there's no replacement for hands-on hands -on work. Um, and also the great thing about cloud and one of the biggest things I like about technology now in general is there's so much great, 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 great resources and education out there for really cheap. If you look at Pluralsight or Acloud Guru or uh, Linux Academy, all this stuff, 25 bucks a month and all you can get uh, cloud uh, technology training, like three or four years ago, $5,000 for a VMware class. Like it's dramatically more and more accessible and the content out there is just really, really, really uh, powerful and, and immersive, so expansive rather. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that, um, as, as well as just kind of getting in and, and tinkering with it. Anyone can go to the Azure portal and, and, and log in and, and build something, you know, the, they give you uh, credits, I think it's like $200, uh, a free credit to try stuff. There's a ton of hands-on labs that they offer for free. Um, if you're trying to learn anything, I mean, there is a, there's just a ton. Um, and that's the upside of, of of uh, public cloud is these very complex services um, are click of a button now. Do you want to play with Hadoop? There's, it's two clicks to you know to spin that up and and to be able to start writing and actually playing with Hadoop, not spending three days spinning you know trying to figure out how to get a Hadoop cluster to start working when you really just wanted to learn how Hadoop you know works. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. Any other questions? No. Well, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. We'll see you at our booth down the uh, hallway here. And uh, thank you very much. <laughs>